Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. All right, and we're live. We're live. Episode five. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I guess we should really start going by what it actually is. This is episode three. <laughs> yeah, and, and for those of you that have tuned in to the first Spotify launched episode, thanks yeah. for tuning in, following we really appreciate it. We've launched the social media, the yeah. Instagram. The Make sure you guys like us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Brian created a Facebook for us. You created the Instagram. It was only fair. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the takeaway from this is we are actually, we're officially live on Spotify. And, so you, and you're liking both pages, which is huge. And we know it's mostly family and friends at first. But if you want to spread the word, we greatly appreciate it. I yeah. can only go so far with Facebook, and Kevin can only go so far with Instagram. Right. We need your help to continue boosting us. Yeah, so I'm, sp- I'm very social media dumb, too. So uh, I really appreciate you guys' likes because, like, that's the only thing I pay attention to. I think it's really <laughs> neat. Like, when I go on Instagram, it's like, I got four likes. <laughs> you know, not to, not to digress because we will get to the usual political banter, but right. um, my daughter was – really into TikTok right. for a bit. Like, yeah. I mean, we were it's watching what now. you watch. They're, they're yeah. getting rid of it. We're getting rid of yeah. it. Yeah. But she posted a few with my, my wife and she woke up one morning and was like, how many likes did my TikTok get? And oh, I was like, God. that's the end of that. Yeah. No more TikTok. For I don't want it to be a like culture for her, but right. it is for us. So please oh, God, continue yeah. liking and spreading our work. All right, Brian. So where do you want to start today? I think you know, you posited the question about AOC and attacking opportunity zones. I think that's a really good place to start. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and so and it really depends on like which side of the aisle you're on and what media outlets you really prefer. Um, I would say that left-leaning individuals um, or maybe like CNN is going to kind of pose it as uh, you're creating Trump voters because it was something done under the Trump administration. Makes and corporate good. welfare. Absolutely. And corporate welfare for sure. Uh, from the right side, um, they're going to say, well, why are you trying to stop people from investing in low income or poverty stricken areas? So, yeah. And, and I think it, it's interesting you brought this up because I only found out about it originally, not from this. I found out about it, I want to say a couple months ago before COVID even started. Right. Yeah. It was from the show Billions, which is one of oh, my favorite yeah, you brought shows. This up to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the, the show focuses on this one billionaire and his battle with an attorney general. Uh, and the billionaire finds a way to defer taxes and essentially what an opportunity zone does. And this was created in 2017, early 2018 during the Trump administration. And what it does is it allows for people to take the capital gains they've made and then invest it in these opportunity zones that have been qualified by the government and then they have to apply and qualify. Right, yeah. But then they put these capital gains into the area, and then it's essentially going to be tax-free, both the it's a tax. Made. Yeah, it's a tax break for, for the whatever corporation or individual is, is putting into there. Yeah, 100%. And, and we talked a little bit about it off-air, but I think, like, me personally, I'm skeptical of anything from right, this yeah. particular administration. I know you are. And I think everyone, anybody who's been listening more than once knows. <laughs> well, and, and I think the idea of real estate, especially under the Trump administration, any move to make you know, tax deferrals and you know, weakening capital gains taxes by any stretch is going to benefit him 
and a lot of the people he surrounds himself with. So that's why I become skeptical. Yeah. But in you know from the word of you know the tax code, it could be a very beneficial idea. I think that it's a perfect example on paper. It is a perfect example of a good idea that can just be taken advantage of. You know what I mean? Because in, in my mind, I see it as this is a great opportunity for um, – this is like a perfect world with charities. You know what I mean? So the problem with charities is that people put money into it. You don't really – it's not always super transparent where that money goes. Um, this is just an opportunity for people to spread their wealth without the government taking it first. You know what I mean? And then like the government doing whatever they will with it, um, me being a much like pro-small government – um, but I like the idea that you can invest in what you want to invest in. So, um, you know, we're in the Midwest, we're in Illinois, we have a lot of a lower income areas, even around me and Brian, um, you know, within driving, st- driving distance, not even, well, I mean, I mean, Chicago's driving distance yep. too, but you don't even have to go to the South side of Chicago to see, you know, right. prime examples of where money can be put to, um, improve areas and improve people's lives. And so I think it's a great idea. You know what I mean? I would love if I had the money, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. I'll put some money into this and okay, cool. Oh, because I put money into it, you're going to, you know, forego the capital gains tax for me, which I think is great because then I'm making a little bit of extra money. Say I put a business into this area. Um, now I'm making money off the business. Plus I have no capital gains tax on that. Or if I go in and I build a house there and I then sell the house for whatever, for a profit, I don't pay a capital gains tax on that house. I think that's probably a better example, but well, uh, and that's a perfect example. And, and I think, like you said, if you were to have this philanthropic ideal behind it, I think it would definitely be a great thing. The problem I see is you see these capital gains being pushed in. Who has capital gains? It's not you and me. No, right? it's big we, companies. It's big companies. It's or, billionaires. Or, yeah, exactly. It's people that have made tons of money that can then say, hey, I have so much money. How do I invest it without paying taxes on that money? So while at first glance, it's usually, hey, this is a great idea. I just don't see it being a long-term solution for those opportunity zones. Just the same. You could say, hey, minority-owned businesses, startups, or whatever – would get this like tax breaks or something like that that would essentially cost the government even less money but be more proactive. Does it need to be ni- minority owned businesses or could it just be non corporate businesses? You know what I mean? Great, great point. And I, I do hesitate to even say minority owned business. And that's me being the, the liberal and saying, hey, but the problem is, is these QOZs, the qualified um, opportunity zones, are generally in impoverished areas with a high minority population. Right, that's the point, yeah. And the other aspect is is they have 10 years before they can actually pull the money out. And that in itself should be a good thing. But what happens to all those capital gains? Because essentially these QOZs have 30 to 40% annualized returns. And that all goes to usually the billionaire that invested. And now right. they're not paying the capital gains on those taxes or on those. On those in incomes. Brian's scenario, goes to the billionaire, but it could go to anybody that invests in the area. Sure, and that's true. But like and that's just me pay, playing devil's advocate. Yeah, no, and that's and that's so true. And and as a hypothesis or this idealized version of it, right. I think it's it could be a great thing. Right. The problem is, is what we've seen is very very wealthy people investing in these uh, qualified areas. And instead of 
instead of really keeping it there, I mean, they've, they've kept it there because they have a 10 year window that they have to stay on. Right. But we see this idea of what's the long-term, you know, prognosis of, of this area. Is it going to grow? Because the business owners or the people that own the real estate now no longer have, you know, the actual capital, the equity coming out. So that's, that's my, that's my biggest concern here. And I think that's why AOC is going after it is because she frames herself as the champion of the, of the middle class and and the lower, lower class workers and stuff like that. The blue collar of the Bronx and all that. And I I see that, but. I just, I just think that I think that you're you're doing away with, with with something that could be really beneficial. I think that um, if she wants to be a champion of those people, she should see it as. And I apologize for interrupting, Brian. I just want to. No, you're good. Um, she should see it as an opportunity, not as a problem. Do you know what I mean? She should say, "Okay, I, I really like this. Here's what I see. What's wrong with it? How do I fix it?" And so then, and, and, and if I may direct that question to you, because AOC is not on our podcast. Yeah. How how do you how do you change it so that it's not just benefiting big corporations? How do you make it more um, uh, readily available for people to do it who aren't big companies? Well, I mean, the whole thing is predicated on the idea of capital gains, right? right so, yeah. I mean, in summation, the whole idealized version is even you know going. It's it's trending towards the the richest part of America, right? And you don't even have to be from that area. You don't have to live in that area. And, and that's the thing is like, okay, say AT&T is a corporation that wants to take advantage of the opportunity zone and they want to invest. They want to defer capital. I like how you keep using AT&T because it's such a relevant example, but go on. Yeah. So (laughs) they, they put in this, you know, building of a call center, right? The customer service center, yep. instead of yep. offshoring it, which is a good thing, right? We're no longer offshoring yeah. it or, or making it, you know, readily accessible in South America. We're giving jobs to and that's another And that's another really good point, Brian. Right, that's great. But the problem is, is they don't say, hey, as part of these tax breaks, you need to raise the wage, right? It's not, it's not building anything. It's just basically capitalizing off of people that are, you know, low income and keeping them low income. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So if, if, if I were to fix it, I would definitely say, hey, I, I need to make it so that the people getting the jobs are also either getting some equitable piece or they are, um, you know, involved in a, in a manner of like, hey, this is going to allow them to develop themselves better, right? They were going to yeah. be able to get jobs that are higher wage paying or they're, you know, I know you and I had talked off air like, Hey, maybe there, there's a requirement for the people in that living in that area, get administrative level jobs. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a good idea too. I think that, um, what you're really, if, if I may, uh, assume here or try to, uh, unpack what you're saying, um, and then repack it into a nice little box. Um, I think what you're trying to say is that money that they're making or that money that they're saving um, by investing those capital gains or by, you know what I mean, saving money on those capital gains, you think that that money should then be reinvested to make it a full, not, I don't want to say, yeah, yeah, like a full charitable donation. Yeah, it's, it's almost more philanthropic in nature. Like, hey, 
we recognize a you're going to be customers of ours, right? So right. Yeah. I use the AT and T example. Well, now let's make sure that hey, we're treating our workers well, so they don't use Sprint, they don't use Verizon, they're using right. our product. So, but how do you make it? How do you how do you incentivize it then? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing. I, I think it's already been incentivized. Now it needs to be a little bit better regulated, right? Okay. So okay, like, no, but so so give me your perfect scenario. So there so needs to be strings attached. Yeah, you get for this, sure. You get no, this I gotcha. opportunity yeah. for this yeah, yeah, huge yeah. tax break because any investment, let's say they're investing a, a hundred million dollars, you know, these capital gains have you know just been untaxed. That's that's more than they're going to get in annualized returns. Okay. So what they're making year over year in terms of profits is going to be 30 or 40% of that year over year. That's that's a huge amount of money. So the idea here is that there needs to be some strings attached. And I think that's what AOC should be framing this as, is not an attack. That or was my, and that was my point going right. in. That was my point. I don't think it necessarily needs to be eliminated. I would love to see something that I could agree with on Trump. But as it stands, I think it's a complete scheme to make the wealthiest wealthier. <laughs> I, I want to. I want. No, 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 no. Like. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't lie. I to me, want Brian. to like. Don't. No, you don't. <laughs> See, this is where it's funny, okay? Because like, here's here's a perfect example of something that is like, again, like I said, could be so beneficial. It's really like on on paper, as I've said. I don't mean to repeat myself. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Good idea. Good idea. Okay, so we tweak it then. So, but Brian just you know. But what if they Brian made it- Brian sees a Trump idea and says, like, "Fuck that." <laughs> well, but what if, what if they made it where it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily just straight capital gains. Right. It was more a way to invest in the area, and I could make money off of it. So, like, right. like opportunity zone funds, I think was a, a term that I found when I was researching, and that would be really cool. Like, you and I could say, "Hey." I have an extra couple thousand dollars laying around and then yeah. you get a, a thousand people doing that. And all of a sudden you have a nice little fund and we're investing in that area and hopefully we see those returns and we're helping. And like, yeah, there's a sense of community then it's not Jeff Bezos saying, Hey, I can throw another Amazon warehouse in the middle of Chicago and have people working for nine to $10 an hour. And I'm not going to pay taxes on that warehouse. Now. Is that another AOC plug? No, I didn't. I didn't okay. see if she talked. It, I didn't know if she hammered well, she at Bezos, had, but I, I no. Well, oh yeah, she did. Remember she because because Bezos wanted to put a um a facility in well her district. Oh, that sounds accurate. Maybe that's what started her and her crusade she, against it. And she was like, "No, f that." Um, and I that's one of my plugs against AOC because I think it was a great opportunity to create jobs in the area, and she was she shot it down. And I think that she was maybe too focused. And this is maybe this kind of ties into her whole idea of an opportunity zone. I think she was too hyper focused on um, big corporation. I hate big corporation that kind of stuff. And I think that it could have been an opportunity to create jobs in her district. So when we say creating jobs, like where does someone get? when they are making $10 an hour for someone who's going to be the first trillionaire. That's my thing is like, there's no philanthropic piece. So this idea was supposed to be, Hey, let's read. But does that make it bad though? Well, yeah, in a way, because the idea is you're getting these huge tax benefits, right? You're getting this opportunity to save yourself millions, if not possibly billions of dollars. And then all of a sudden we're in a position where, okay, you're saving all this money on tax, you know, on taxes, but what are you doing for the the zone, right? And bringing in $10 an hour jobs is not doing anything more than saying, hey, let's put another McDonald's in there. 
So that's my biggest issue is like it's not really rebuilding the community. It's right. allowing I don't dis- I don't disagree with you yeah. there. I think that more can be done. I think that you can take different avenues and different routes and uh and, and perhaps um have a better outcome, I suppose. Um but I I just see job creation as good. I see investment in bad in bad areas as good. I think that the the devil is in the details. But so the area is impoverished, right? And that's what made it the quote unquote bad area, the opportunity zone. What is adding more ten dollar an hour jobs really doing for that zone? It's still going to be impoverished. It's still, in, it's still employing people. But they weren't. So give me your answer. Give me your answer, Brian. So so my thing is is like okay, they're not making any more. Like they're it's not it's not adding anything that's not okay. already. There. Yeah, for sure. So like. If you're well, gonna, no, if well, you're gonna it, but it is, movement. but it is. It's it's adding something that's not there. It's thousands of jobs that aren't currently there. May, okay, Do you know what I mean? So maybe like a thousand jobs, but like, it's not raising. <laughs> it's not raising them up. That's my thing. Right. Like, okay. If we're gonna, I see, okay. If we're gonna, I see what you're saying. I, I, I get what you're saying. Huge going. move, right? We're right. gonna do this bold incentivization of, you know, bringing and billionaires aren't a, like all bad people. I I, I no, don't. I know you're not saying so, that. So like, if Mark Cuban wants to invest in an area, like I love Mark Cuban. Shout out Mark Cuban if you want to invest in our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is an opportunity zone right here. <laughs> so the idea of investing needs to be more philanthropic, and since it has not been so far. Right then let's start putting some strings attached so it makes it more philanthropic in nature. And if they don't want to invest in that, then so be it. Like, Okay, yeah. Because at that point, what's what's to say, why wouldn't Jeff Bezos want to put a warehouse there even without those strings attached, without the Opportunity Zone? He'll do it because, hey, they're $10 an hour workers. That's fine. I know I got a bunch of people that are willing to do it. Right. And that and actually, Ken, that, that, that appeals to my... Um my more centrist libertarian side because it's like whatever you want to do with your money, do with your money. Right. But, but we're, if we're going to incentivize it, it needs to be done the right way, not the capitalist. Yeah. Like I haven't heard you tell me the right way though. Well, the right way I said, like I, I kind of alluded to was the idea that there needs to be regulations or strings okay. attached. So and what, that's, that's but, government. And do you have any of those regulations? Like what are your ideas? And I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I, I am putting you on the spot. But no, like, no, no, no. Just that's because, fine. because there, I want, I want to pick your brain. Yeah. I think Not calling there needs out. to be an equitable piece for okay. the community itself. So if you're getting 30 to 40% annualized returns, 10% of that has to go back to the community. Okay. So you're taking okay. off some of the, you're investing and that could be in the way that could be the, that could be in the way of wages, higher wages, or actually investing exactly. more into the community. Exactly. So you're real still profiting, things. which is the idea of capitalism, but we're not going to let you abuse this. So you're the one raking in everything. You know, it's not a casino. The house always wins. Like, yeah. In this in- instance, right now, the billionaire always wins. Okay. And I want the community to win. If we're going to incentivize it, let's incentivize it properly. That's where, and that's where I, that's where I, I don't necessarily differ on my opinion with what you're saying because I think that's right. But I think that you're working in a perfect world. Do you know what I mean? I think that you're working in like, okay, Jeff Bezos says, well, I want to invest in this area, so I'm going to invest in this area, and I'm going to pay the people more money, and I'm going to da da da. That's great. I think that's freaking amazing. I want that to be the way that things are, but I don't think that's the way that those people think. Not trying to like speak for Jeff Bezos because like I can't. Right. But my 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 thing there is like there needs to be some sort of like cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So 
Well, the idea- I like I like your idea of strings attached. I yeah. like your idea of okay, yeah. cool. You can come in here, and, and 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 maybe that's enough. Maybe the 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 capital gains cut, you know what I mean, or uh, you know tax break is, is is enough. So if you were to say, hey, you can take this hundred million dollars that you got in capital gains and invest it Very in this good point. area. Yeah, I get what you're right? saying, Brian. You yeah. now know you no longer have to pay taxes, and you're going to get twenty to thirty percent annualized returns. Right. Which of that? What it was thirty to forty. Of that, you get twenty to thirty, and the community okay. gets ten to fifteen percent. Like, that's an like now you're giving the community equity. You're giving those people, and also kind of a side note, what ends up happening right now is these luxury real estate buildings get put up. It's not like, hey, let's make it low income. It's like, hey, let's start building up this community, getting people that are rich more involved in it, and owning that property. So it's it's. I want it to be a piece where the community builds up. And I think AOC is attacking it because they're not going to change it to benefit the community. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to agree with you hundred percent. I like your idea all the way up to that. You know what I mean? I like okay. where, where you think the string should be attached. I like that you think, you know what I mean? I, I do. I, I, I'm going to say, I agree with you. I guess where we're going to, I don't think we'll disagree, but I, I guess my point to that is, as I stated originally, I think that AOC could have handled it differently. And not just AOC, yeah, because sure. I, bl- I believe Bernie actually said the same thing. It's very possible. I mean, <laughs> she's a younger Bernie. Yeah, yeah, um, a younger, more attractive Bernie. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the way he wears his glasses. It's true. You know what? I saw a, a, a really good interview of him in the '70s. Well, I, I I didn't see it in the '70s of him from the yeah, '70s. Yeah, sure. Um, and I was like, you know. Not a bad looking dude. He sounded exactly the same. It was like kind of creepy. It was like, cause you know how like deep fakes are becoming the new thing? Yeah. It was like a deep, a deep fake of a younger Bernie. I was like, oh God, he's saying the exact same thing that I'm pretty sure I heard him saying on CNN like two hours ago. <laughs> that, well, not to digress too much into the Bernie talk, but that right. was one of the things I liked most about him. It's like, oh, the platform speaks to me. Can I, and, I can't and hate you for he that. Stuck, he stuck to it like right. for 40 years. Right. Like, come on. So. No, well, we not, were talking dis- not about, disagreeing with you. We were talking about opportunity zones in, in that particular government regulation. Why don't we move to some more government yeah, sure. regulations or government involvement, possibly, question mark, with the idea of the student debt crisis. And right now, That's we're not a like, question mark for Brian. Brian wants way more involvement. <laughs> <laughs> so we have about, I think the, I think the total is out about $1.6 trillion. That sounds, yeah, I think of, that's the same number I heard, debt. yeah. And... You know, there's, there's and this is something that hits as as the more centrist of the two of us. This is something that does hit home for me. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. And I, I think, and you know why, and yeah. not everybody else knows why. But well, I mean, let's discuss it. So, like, yeah. personally, I no longer have uh, student loan debt due to some, you know, family help and and stuff like that. So, I no longer have student debt, but it's affecting millions and millions of people in right. heaven. Yeah. So yeah, no. Uh, um, Anna, honey, I love you so much, and I know I promised you today when I was driving over here that I wouldn't talk about this too much, so I'm not going to bring it up too much, um, but we owe a lot in student debt. My sure. wife, my it's wife, a good investment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Don't disagree with that at all, and I tell my wife this all the time. I think that she made a great decision to go to school. I think that I, I, I'm, I'm like a big person, like, you know, if it's your fault, it's your fault. Like, I, yeah. I never, like, push the blame on anybody else. Yeah. Um, but um, so my wife decided to to go to school for a certain thing, and she went to certain schools. Um, I don't think that she was properly informed on where she was going and how much she was going to spend. And I think that that's where my problem lies with 
with the student loan thing. And we're going to go more into this, how we can fix yeah. it and who's got plans on what and what. Um, but that's, that, that's my personal involvement. Yeah. With it. And I think that's the case for so many. And like I said, I had a chunk of student loan debt that my family was able to help me out with due to some, you know, good fortune. And, uh, I was literally carrying that and it, it weighed on me. It was 250 to $300 a month. It was like two seventy eight oh six. I think I paid. A oh, month. it's a lot. Yeah. Especially. And so Brian and anybody who's listened before knows that Brian was once a teacher. Yeah. And so I came out of school. I had done some scholar, like I got scholarship and, and grants and all that. And I, I just didn't know what was what I think I fell into deferment at one point or not deferment into, near default and I was getting letters and I was like, Oh my God, this is terrible. Um, had a, had a little bit of a windfall and I was able to take care of that, uh, immediately thanks to, to some family luck. But I do acknowledge this as like a very big issue in America. And it's huge. And to quote Donald Trump, it's huge, huge. We look at $1.6 trillion of debt and that's higher than, credit card debt in America that's higher than car loan debt in America it is one of the biggest debt part higher than shark attacks in America (laughs) it's one of the biggest (laughs) bubbles essentially we're sitting on right Um, so when we look at that it's one of those things that's going to eat away at our economy and it's really affecting mainly the middle class just so you guys know it's raining right now and that's that background noise that you're getting the middle and lower class are the ones that are you know saddled with this debt so when I look at it, it's also more predatory. Predatory, yeah. Yeah. I think it's when you look at the rates that people are paying, it's higher than mortgage rates. It's higher than car rates. Like it was substantial. And the other thing is you can't declare bankruptcy against student loan debt. Yeah. There's no. The cool thing is you can't die with it either. It does die with you. So, yeah. And so that's a plus. Right. And as suicide rates go up. Shut that's up. That's dangerous. not where I was going. <laughs> The That's idea, terrible. The Way idea, to take it morbid. The, the idea is, is like there's no way out, and people are overwhelmed. And when we talk about the crisis, we see the Sanders, you know, plans, the Warren plans, where it's like, hey, the government is going to step in. My big and I do think that that's maybe a, a a moment where we can. I don't want to pause, but a moment where we can take a second and you can kind of explain those two plans. Do you know what I'm saying? So there are some major differences between the Sanders and Warren plans and i think both are very interesting i think both have their pros and cons i think so the sanders ideal is that all 1.6 trillion is forgiven regardless of who or what you are right it doesn't matter what socioeconomic level you're at it doesn't matter how much you have in debt it's gone it's gone. The one point six trillion dollars now goes off of the spreadsheets of the lo- the lenders, right? And Whether it's the, the government, government or private, right? right. And then the, and I think that that's that's good to clarify too. That right. it doesn't mean just federal loans. He means private everything. Everything gone. is gone. And the Warren plan focuses on more economic space. So the idea is that the one point six trillion dollars in debt will then be sorted out by how much you make a year, how much is, you know, based on the household and then, you know, how much you actually took on. So it's capped at $50,000, right? So if you make under a hundred thousand dollars, it's going to shrink, you know, the amount you own 
to, you know, it, up to $50,000 is gone. So kind of similar, but it's based on how much your, your household makes. So it's both like a husband and wife. It's both like the parents and the child, whatever the case is. Right, which still can make things very difficult. Right. And I think there's almost more logistical issues with that is like, well, you know, who's in what house and you're investing money that's going to have to like check back on those things instead of just saying, Hey, these millions and billions and trillions of dollars are just going to wipe it all out. There's an element of, well, now we got to hire job, hire people, which are jobs, but we have to spend money to double check these things. So it's an interesting thing. Yeah, and I, I guess where I see the issue in this is like, so where do you draw the line? Or do you hit the reset button completely? Because I think that what should be done in the future and what would help, would have, what would have helped my wife and so many other people is education. You know what I mean? So like, and I'm not, well, obviously they got educated, but... Fiscal education. Right, so like, okay, cool. Um, okay, so for instance, let's say you wanted to go into zoology. Okay, really freaking cool. I think zoology is so dope. And Anna, my wife, really loves zoology. She's been watching that, uh, I don't know what it is, on Hulu or Netflix. Some or, National Geographic. Yeah, something right? National Geographic sure. where they follow these zoos, and it's really cool. And she keeps telling me, oh, I want to be a zoologist. But anyways, um, so you go to school to be a zoologist. I think the medium in, median income for a zoologist is something ridiculous like, Go sorry, <laughs> it's something ridiculous like you know uh, twenty five thousand or thirty thousand. It's very low. So what you need there is a buffer. So you go to your high school counselor or whoever and say, okay, listen, I want to go into zoology. I think they need to say, okay, cool. I think that's a great career. I'm so glad that you're passionate about it. But what I must say to you is, here's your medium income. Median income. I keep saying that. I'm slurring. Sorry. Um, so. Based on that, you really need to look at a college that's only going to cost you about X amount of dollars, okay? Because I, I don't know what the, ex, the actual equation is or what the actual, like, perfect mm-hmm. thing is, but, like, you're supposed to make more in your first year than you spent on college. Right. Is and, that correct? Yeah, and that's something... So I think that's where... But I think that's where the breakdown is. Just because I, yeah. I'm going to let you go rampant yeah. on this, Brian. You go straight into it. But just to finish my thought, I think there, there needs to be better education on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the issue is. So, say, starting tomorrow... Not to start our magic wand segment early, and I'm not going to, but that's what I think the magic wand in this case is. You educate them on, well, half the magic wand. You educate them on what they're getting themselves into and right. what they need to make to pay off their loan. Right, and I, I, I do agree there needs to be more fiscal education in this country. The problem is... Starting in high school. Starting in, I mean, even middle school. Sh- sure, and... and- let me be very clear. Having taught in, in a high school, there is a consumer education course. It's one of the more boring ones. So students, it's and not, to not everyone, to that but age. it's not appealing to people. And they kind of lose that fit, you know, that fiscal literacy. But going back to that, I think there's an issue with the concept that you're portraying, similar to like how rent is in this country. When you're going in to rent a, an apartment, it should not be, or even a mortgage, it should not be more than 33% or one-third of your income. Or less. But in general, people can't afford that. Rent and mortgages are out of control, and this is a very similar instance where... And I am going to ask you to stay focused on the student debt part. Where we look at the student loan debt 
and it's highly encouraged to go into college. Now, I know people are going to say, hey, listen, the idea here is you can also go to the trade schools or you can just go into the like service industry or whatever the case is. All are good options, but the statistical likelihood is that you're going to be more successful in life if you get a college degree. You can be very successful going through the trade schools. Uh, you can, you know, be very successful going through the service industry as, as you are, Kevin. And, right. and there's opportunities anywhere you go. But the statistical likelihood of, of success generally comes with people with a college degree. Now, because that's so important to follow that statistical likelihood, now people are going to say, hey, if I have a 72% chance of scoring X salary, I'm going to take that 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 opportunity. Well, I have to spend so much money, and this is something that I'll get to later on college, in order to get that degree, the the rising cost of college is exponential, but I have to take out loans because I can't afford it. Now, here's the predatory part. They didn't care how much you had. And I'm going to agree with you 100% on the predatory right? part. Yeah. So if I'm going to take out a mortgage, I have to show I have enough. I'm not, I don't have this much debt. They look at your short-term debt, your long-term debt before they even give you the money. And even now, especially after COVID, you know what I mean? Or during COVID, not after, uh, just to clarify. But I mean, especially now, like, um, you know, there's a lot of banks that are like, okay, cool. We want you to have 20% to put down, but then we also want you to have 14 months saved in your account right to like pay for things you know what i mean so if say you but you know well i'm not gonna do the math but yeah you know what i mean so the regulations are so high whereas what to brian's point um with student loans it's right just, it's there, there's, there's nothing there's, yeah they're not saying okay well how much are you making well obviously i'm not making anything right you know what i mean i'm a i'm a, I'm a kid i'm, I'm going an to 18 school. year old out of high school right you know what i mean so yeah i agree with you 100 percent there so i think in 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 earnest, these these loans were not given out with good intentions. It was a way to make money fast, quick. I think they played it as though. Yeah, we're this giving is you probably the opportunity. The, this, is, this is probably the most you and I are ever going to agree on something like this. Yeah. But yeah, I totally, totally. We'll, div- we'll diverge on how oh, to handle it. Exactly. But yeah. the The idea of student loans is is a very damaging one, and the fact that we have one point six trillion dollars, essentially, that was the tax break Donald Trump gave the wealthiest 1% in America. So when I look at, hey, we're able to bail out the banks in 2008. We're able to bail out mortgage companies. We're able to give tax cuts to these ultra wealthy in America. Why are we not able to do this? Now, I understand you keep saying we need to be better about accounting in this country. We need to be better as a country to be fiscally responsible. Right. But... We haven't been. So why right. is the one group of people, the ones trying to better themselves, the middle and lower class that took out these student loans, they're the one group of people that are not getting bailed out in these major bailout efforts. And just to, just so that we don't agree too much, <laughs> <laughs> um, allow me to throw this into the, into the mix, into the fray. Um, I think that ooh, part of it needs to be you need to know what you're going into. Like I was saying sure. earlier with the zoology thing, sure. if you were going into and you're going to hate this, cause I think you'll know who I'm quoting when I say this. Um, if you want to learn about lesbian dance theory, it's a Ben Shapiro quote. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't go to Harvard. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, what do you do with that degree? And I, and I, I, you know what I mean? That's a total joke. You know what I mean? But for instance, like you, you, I, I majored in, 
I don't know. Uh, just because we're recording in a garage right now and Brian's bag sets there. I majored in bag set construction. All right. I know how to do is make bag sets. Right. Okay, cornhole for those Midwesterners that are listening, which is right now probably everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Okay, so I'm going to make you know cornholes. Um, for those not from the Midwest, it's a game. It's a board. You throw these bags yeah, full it's of even on ESPN corn seed. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But, like, if you're going to school for that, don't spend $100,000 a year if you're going to make, you know, $100 a bag set. Sure. You know, unless you're planning on making a million bag sets or whatever. So I know in in my experience, I went to a small private school that— You can give them a plug, Brian. Go ahead. Yeah, it was was Elmhurst College, now Elmhurst University— and oh yeah, great so school. right. It yeah, was a yeah. great school. It is a good school, and it was a great education program. I, I enjoyed my time there, but the, the I, and I actually applied there. It was too expensive for me. <laughs> it was too expensive for me, <laughs> and the problem was is that I walked out of that school making thirty one thousand dollars a year as a teacher in a small rural district, and I think that at the time, if you didn't have scholarship money, it was around thirty thousand dollars per year, and. Then you're you're getting into that like really wicked area of I can't afford this. So I, I do understand people need to be responsible for their own undertakings, but I think a lot of times with the soaring cost of college, the demand for degrees. I mean, you need a degree for a lot of things that the degree doesn't even help you with, but it's like a prereq to get into a lot of interviews with a lot of companies. And I think that's a major issue. Now, I would love to see more businesses say, hey. You just come work with us, intern us. We're going to train you. We can tell you're an intelligent person. Let's the do wild, it that way. Yeah, wild, wild west version. But you know, when you have thousands of applicants, you got to cut it down. There has to be some sort of right. a uh, yeah. There's there's a barrier, and so getting back to the student debt crisis, what are what are our options? The first option is because yeah, we know it's we know it's there. You right. and I can agree that it's there. So now here here's the segment of how do we how do we fix it? How do we address it? What do we do? So and I like I like Sanders's plan. It's going to cost two point two trillion dollars over the over a ten year span. Okay? Right, and it's I hard. Think, to, it's hard to talk about spending that kind of money. Yeah. Now that we're dealing with COVID, you right. know what I mean, and inflation and everything like that, because right. we're doing all these sorts of you know stimuluses, right. and, and unemployment benefits and all that. But let's take that out of the equation, right? I, and yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I hate throwing these huge numbers around and making it seem like oh, what's two trillion? You know, <laughs> it used to be like we didn't have debt. As a, as a country, and now we're just tacking it on right and left. But I think this is one of those ways to actually stimulate an economy, not giving massive tax breaks or even opportunity zones or anything like that. Like This is a way to actually stimulate economy, and it's from the bottom up because that's who you're affecting the most with this. Now, <laughs> what my biggest concern is with either the Sanders or Warren plan is it does nothing really to exacerbate or kind of attack the rising costs of college and make people more aware of those rising costs and does it have the same value it once did? That's my biggest concern because another aspect to this is if you wipe out all of the student debt, you're also helping those lending companies, which could be a good thing because now- I think you're being a little bit too optimistic there, but go on. because here's why. There's a certain percentage, and I think it's like 10 to 15% of all student loan, all student loans are defaulted on. So if I'm if I'm missing 15% of my annual income, and then all of a sudden the government's going to say, hey, you get 100% of it, 
Now I have more access to capital and I can begin reinvesting. So it's not just, hey, I'm helping the little guy. It's also, I'm helping the lenders. And like, hey, let's be a little bit smarter going forward. Like I would have hoped in 2008 with the banks, like, hey, let's be a little bit smarter about mortgages and stuff like that. And let's not put ourselves in bad, you know, we're bailing you out. Let's not put ourselves in bad position. I hope that would be the same thing going forward. The one thing that this is not addressing are the colleges themselves. Being the liberal that I am, you would think, hey, I'm going to side with the colleges. But it's not the professors that are the big issue. It's the administrators making millions of dollars. It's the the board of directors. Yeah, it's the board of directors. It's the facilities getting upgrades that aren't needed. As we continue to develop technology. (laughs) And I'm I'm, I'm just a little comic relief in there. I don't know if anybody else watches the show community. But (laughs) I freaking love that show. And what that reminded me of when you said like spending money on things you don't need. In in that show, they they spend money on like an Olympic swing pool and an Olympic like judge stand. (laughs) And it's like, you know what I mean? So, and they ended up using it for the trial of um, Britta Perry. Uh, when she cheats on her Spanish test, but like, you know, yeah. But anyways, I'm I, I'm so sorry, I but digress. <laughs> is it really is it really that far off from like what no, colleges no, no, do? No, no, like no. they, they misspend money all not the time, all, not at all. and then they cry poor, and then they right. get like huge, huge, you know, whether it's tax benefits or donations or whatever. And you look at these endowments of major institutions like Notre Dame; it's like billions of dollars that they have stored. Away, just waiting. Oh my gosh, yeah, and and the money's, Harvard, the money's not coming, money's not just coming from students. It's coming from you know past students who became wealthy and invest in the school, um, become donors, things like that. So I think that the, the the problems that we need to address are this, Brian. Yeah. Just because we can go on about this for yeah. a long time, and so sure. I'm going I'm to narrow it down for both of us. Um, first of all, the price of education. Yeah. Okay. Second of all, we already and I think we already covered this, so I don't need to, I don't think we need to touch on it. I think we agree with it hundred yeah. percent going into college from high school, education on how to pay for schooling sure. and how to choose um your school versus your degree. Yeah. I think we agree on that. Yeah. We don't have to touch on that. Okay. So school, pricing. Go ahead. So I think if it's a public institution so like so University of Illinois, U, yeah, U of I, which is a great school. It's fantastic it's school. Yeah, come on, yeah. the best in multiple fields. But if it's receiving public funds, it should not be raised to a point where you can't go without taking massive loans. Right. Regardless of how great right. it is, that's one of the things that the the state of Illinois should use as a as a tip of the cap. Like, hey, we're great at this. We're great at educating our people at the collegiate level. Great. Yeah, University U- University of Wyoming does a great job at that. Univers- sure. Shout out University of Wyoming. I know there's some. Well, we won't touch on that, but uh, University of Wyoming is a great school. My sure. little sister went to University of Wyoming. Um, Agriculture. And, uh, yep. Uh, geology. Sciences, geology. Geology. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about that is it was so affordable, like ridiculously affordable. Um, and I think that, well, especially Illinois schools can take a little note from that. Yeah, so there's some great schools that are publicly held, but they shouldn't have these massive endowments. They shouldn't have administrative costs that are out. Like a chancellor of a school should not be making more than a million dollars a year. I don't care how big the school is. I don't care how much money it's bringing in. I just, there's a big issue if you're if you're profiteering in an education. Absolutely. If you're a Harvard chancellor, well, I don't that's disagree. different. That's I don't private. disagree with making money. No. Okay, but I do agree with you. Like 
and, and this is coming from me, a me perspective. Like if I were like, what are they? Is it a chancellor? What do they call them? Uh, dean? Presidents, president? presidents, chancellors, um, not dean. Uh, deans are a little lower. Um, uh, Grand dragons. <laughs> in the South. Um, provost. To- provost. Provost. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, no matter what, okay, if all I'm doing is running a school, and like, you know, talking to the academic, uh, you know, committee and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'd be happy with $100,000. Well, I mean, hey, make four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000, make a Depending million. upon the, what the school makes, yeah. There's, there's like, if you're And that's if where you're free market, and that's where free market comes in for me, and that's where capitalism comes in for me. And we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts when we were talking about, like, voucher schools and charter schools and things like that. Uh, my big thing with that, or my big, you know whatever with that was um, if you create the demand at a good price, you're going to leap above or you should be bounds above, you know, people who are trying to charge too much. Right. And, and I, I agree with the idea of public education, even at the collegiate level, if you want to go to Harvard and Harvard wants to charge you a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's fine. It's a private institution. It's not getting public funds. That's different. Similar to like our high school talk, like I like private high schools. That's fine. Go do your thing. You're responsible for it. If you fail, you're not making enough money. You close. Period. There's no public bailout. A public institution like a University of Illinois should not be raising its costs to a point where a student, you know, in Central Illinois, a student in Chicagoland, a student anywhere can't go. And if they can't afford it, like they're from the South Side, but they qualify. They might not have the, the funds to get there. Then they need to go for free. That's how it needs to be run. That's how you make a country better. That's how you make a state better. That's how you level up. You level up from the bottom up. You raise the floor and the ceiling will eventually get higher as well. So that's how I feel about the student debt crisis in general. I think either Sanders or Warren's plan. I'm a bigger fan of Sanders where it's, hey, let's get rid of this. Let's just do a stimulus package. And now... The majority of these people that used to have debt now have three, four hundred dollars a month to spend. What are they going to do? Do you think they're going to lock it up into to stock portfolios? No, they're going to go spend it on getting a new car. They're going to do home improvements. Now you're stimulating the economy around them. That's how you build it up from the ground up. Okay, so what do you do with student debt then? I, I do, that's where we're going to focus then, yeah, Brian. I think so. I think that's that's what that's what and, I think. I think logically that's what's next. Okay, so and I think the way you, you develop that yeah. money, how do you where do you get this two point two trillion dollars, right? And I think that's where you start to you know enforce a marginal tax. Yeah, and let me let me pause you there, Brian. Um, so just to clarify, just to bring it all back in, because you said a whole lot there. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. I love how passionate you are about that. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell Brian's got some experience in this. Um. So we agree. Schools need to be more affordable. Um, we'll get past that. So now we're moving into, here's how, so we, we've kind of discussed in the future, here's how we fix it. I kind of said like the whole idea of like educating people. Fiscal education. Yeah, sure. fiscal education. Um, and you just brought up a whole lot there. So now here's the next question then. Um, what do we do about the student debt that's already out there? Right. Do we forgive it all? Do we say I'm a fan of forgiving it all, so it, it doesn't. There's one. So we. So what you're saying is like, okay, um, we effed up in the past. Peace Gone. out. Peace out to that debt. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm not. Like, so here's, it, and here's it, the thing too. Like, on 
other levels, I disagree with that 100%. <laughs> on a personal because, level, you're On right. a personal level, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and the way you, you deal with that is is um, enforcing tax laws, making sure there's no loopholes. I think you reinstate a marginal tax. I think that would put us in a better financial position anyways. Um, if you're making over $10 million a year, I think all of a sudden, anything above $10 million, you start instituting a 50% tax. Stuff Ladies like and gentlemen, that. I just started interviewing Bernie Sanders and AOC. <laughs> no, I, I think they they want more, and I think our Total joke, our Total strongest joke. our strongest economic periods in in American history. You saw a high marginal tax rate, including up to ninety percent. So, I think there is an element to that. We just had what Jeff Bezos make thirteen billion dollars in a day. Like holy shit, ridiculous. So way to way to profit off of a global pandemic, right? And off of those ten dollar an hour employees that were working during hazardous, you know, a hazardous time. And and there's no problem with capitalism, but when it's just like unleashed, it does bring out the greed in people. So I would have a marginal tax rate increase, make sure that, Hey, that goes towards education. That goes towards people. I would make sure that, um, we, we ensure that all of the debt is, is wiped away. And I would also, look to make it more accessible to low socioeconomic students. So ones that are coming from poor or rural areas, let's make it more accessible going forward so it's cheaper and they are not taking out those loans to begin with. So we're never in this bind again. So if we fix the problem, it's not just fixing it now. We're, We're treating symptoms, but we're not diagnosing the problem. The problem is the rising cost. You're treating symptoms, but you're not curing the disease. Right. So the disease is far deeper than just, hey, the debt, right? So it's treating the debt, getting rid of it. So treat the symptoms, but let's cure the disease. Let's make sure people are, like you said, more fiscally educated. Let's make sure that we're stopping the rising costs of education. And let's make it accessible to those that are underprivileged, period. And it's not necessarily minority. It's it's socioeconomic at that point. Because at that point, we've leveled it off. Let's make it as accessible to anyone as possible. Okay. You know, we're going to, and we're going to stop that subject there because we can go on for another, gosh, 30 minutes almost. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't want to keep you here that long. No, right. So I, I think we can agree and disagree on that subject, Brian. Um, Let's move into our our final subject for the evening. So the final subject is one that I wanted to bring up. Uh, I think, Kevin does a really good job of bringing up some subjects. I do some some subject hunting as well. This is one that really has been hitting home to me because I've had a lot of Facebook discussions and stuff like that. And it's the idea of quote-unquote fake news slash mainstream media and then actual fake news. So one of the issues with mainstream media is like there's leans, right? And Fox yeah. News has a lean. CNN has a lean. But there's a lot everyone. of... Everyone. Everyone. With ex- even with... I- I would love to say with the exception of PBS, but even PBS. Well, PBS and like NPR have been noted, noted as being the most centered and not leaning. Yeah, and I love PBS. There's, there's probably some. Leans. I just watched PBS NewsHour before we started this today. So there's leans in different directions. Now there's opinion pieces like, say, a Don Lemon or a Sean Hannity or, you know, those right and left opinions that Way are Way to bring like, up one from each side. Good job. Yeah. So there's definitely like leans, but that's not necessarily fake news unless they're perpetrating fake news. Right. So unfortunately both Fox news who Chris Wallace did a really nice interview. That's not fake news. Like, you know, there's, there's reports out of CNN. That's not fake news. 
My problem is, is the mainstream media, either way, gets demonized, especially by this administration, and people turn to other outlets. I wouldn't bring it even to like this administration. I think it gets kind of like demonized by whoever has the opportunity to demonize it. Do you know what I mean? Well, there wasn't as much outpouring, I guess, as fake news. Like, I think there wasn't as much outpouring about anything until this administration. But like, well, that okay. would be that would be, that would be my argument there. One of the most notable controversies during the Obama administration was right. two things: the birth certificate issue raised by Donald Trump and many others, and notably leave Donald Trump out of this. <laughs> and, and like, there was a time where there was a big controversy about. And I love The Daily Show for bringing this up over and over. There was a controversy of Barack Obama wearing a tan suit. And it was like this whole thing about how he was disgracing the presidency. That's fake news. Now. That's, I wouldn't say that's fake news. I would. Okay. Excuse me. I would say that's boring news. It's stupid news. Unrelevant news. He wore a tan suit, but there was, there shouldn't have been a controversy. Yeah, and, and just let me preface this by saying, um, well, actually not even by saying, but by um, bringing up something that makes me laugh. So Brian, as you can tell, is very critical of the current administration. Mm-hmm. And what makes me very happy about this is um, I went home after, I think after recording our first segment here yeah. in the garage, and I, I you know, was talking to my wife about it, and I go... <laughs> Yeah, Brian knows now. I go, um, honey, you know, you know, just talking about the podcast, blah, 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 blah. And uh, she goes, you know what? Text Brian right now. Ask him if he can say one nice thing about Donald Trump or his administration. And I can bring, don't, don't, no, 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 don't no. bullshit, Brian, because I, I, I can bring I don't up the disagree. Text. The, the text was, do you agree with any policy that they've had? I said anything. Because I think his golf swing has gotten tremendously <laughs> better. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Good. But, I mean, he's had enough practice over the last four years when he said he wouldn't have time to do any golfing uh, because he would be so much more busy than Obama. Fair enough. I'm so sorry. So let me let me go back to, like, the fake news, right? So I've talked a little bit about the quote-unquote fake news mainstream media that has been demonized. There is actual fake news that is coming out in, like, conspiracy theories and it really and your really example of the, a good example of this would be something like in, and stop me if if you disagree but something along the lines of pandemic 100% okay and, and so the, you're talking about the difference between like what i'm going to say is like um misinformation versus disinformation correct okay I think so that's a great way of putting it like so the, you're so, so like so you're saying something either from a bias or like you accidentally got something wrong so you don't mean to like stir up a controversy or right. um, uh, misinform people, okay, that would be your misinformation right. versus something like where you're purposefully trying to mislead people, hundred percent, um, and get and, and for your own gain, correct? Okay, please, Sorry, your own notoriety, so, yeah. yeah. And I think pandemic was one of the ones that stood out the most, and and there were a lot of people pushing that on you know social media and like look at this, oh I knew yeah, it. and. and, and well, go on, sorry. Well, I think the thing is, is like people are looking for an answer for this shit situation we're in. Yeah, and and, and a lot of this comes like a good example of this too is everything that went on with Facebook because now, well, not now. This isn't super recent, but um, a lot of stuff that went on with like AI. Yeah, Brian's giving me a signal. He knows what I'm going to say. It's anti-vaxxers. Yeah, so you saw a lot of this on Facebook and Facebook, and I believe I think it was YouTube too, wasn't it, Brian? 
Yeah, they, so they a lot were, of social media is yeah, like taking yeah, that stuff down. Yeah, so they had to like police it almost. They had to say like, okay, well, um, you know, this isn't good information or this is like misleading in, in a purpose, purposeful way. That's a really good example of that. Yeah, and, and now Facebook has even it like unleashed this fact check. Like, so they'll, they'll allow you to post something and they'll be like right underneath it is like, hey, this is fact checked. Like, it's not necessarily true. Right, right. It's like Amazon Prime. This is a- <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it again, bring a little levity to the conversation. But yeah, yeah, I always go for things that are prime because like I can get it in two to three days. No, no shipping. Go on. And I think, I think with pandemic, and I knew a lot of you know very bright people that were jumping on that train. And it's not like oh, it's just idiots or it's just right wingers. It's just you know leftists. It's not. It's not any particular group. It's people searching for an answer. It's people in general, and it, and it's people that are frustrated and i get that like this is a very very frustrating time in america and we look back throughout american history and we see hey the great depression or the spanish flu or world war one or world war ii and we look back at those times and we're like wow they were such troopers and it's like in this moment we have a very difficult situation and i want us to rise to the occasion but the misinformation or disinformation or however you want to label it is something that derails us. Absolutely. 100%. So I get frustrated, not necessarily the people that share those because I know they're just searching for answers and they want to understand and they may not. I think you're being too kind. Just say it how it is. Well, they don't, they don't necessarily do all the background checks on like, you know, the big thing was like these American doctor or American front America's frontline doctors, I think was the most recent one. Yeah, I watched that video. And like it was very unprofessional. What was the, what was the one name like Stella, Stella something? Something Emmanuel. Stella she, Emmanuel. Yeah. Yeah, that was her. Yeah. And she's been on record as saying like, you know, vaccines are alien DNA and like medications are alien DNA and like endometriosis is caused by having sex with witches and demons in your dreams and like it's demon spawn messing up your uterus. Like these are things that people are dealing with on a daily basis. People that, you know, have endometriosis and can't carry a child now, or, you know, have to take certain medications and now they're worried that it's, you know, aliens, you know, DNA, like some people, I wouldn't say are gullible, but like fall into that trap and like, Right, That's because they're looking for answers, and then all of a sudden they're wishing off, you know, medications that can yeah. save their lives. And these are the people bringing these messages across, and they're portraying themselves as authorities. When we have someone who has been through several presidencies, both Republican and Democrat, guided us through pandemics. He's talking about Fauci, and and gives us as much information as he can. And when he doesn't have the information, he says, "I think this. I'm not a hundred percent sure." I think we need to do this. And he's gotten things wrong. He got the mask thing wrong. He said originally that masks wouldn't necessarily help. We needed to socially distance. And then we found out masks are a big help. And he went back and said, yep, got that wrong. We should be wearing masks. And that's science. Science is, it's, you're looking. Ever changing. You're looking to disprove it all the time. Yeah. Good scientists. Well, you're looking to improve it all the time. Well, yeah, but you're. Not necessarily you're, you're, disprove it, but you're looking to always improve upon science you're gonna re you're gonna re-energize. You're gonna re um, retest things. You're gonna develop new hypotheses right. and, and yeah. go through the scientific method one more time and try it again and prove it wrong. So if you were right in the initial you know 
the initial response was correct, you want to double, triple, quadruple check it. Absolutely. By doing it again. Absolutely. And that's their scientific method, like a Fauci. But this America's doctor, frontline, whatever they are, they put on a video and it just it latches on to people like instantaneously. That's the problem with social media is like it's so easy to. It, it's readily part of, part, part, part of it is like the whole echo chamber of um, what do they call that, Brian? Where you really only listen to it? it no, it's an you echo listen, chamber. You, yeah, you it's an echo to, chamber. Yeah, it's an echo yeah, chamber yeah. Where you're you listen to, to your your own beliefs. Yes. You you reaffirm your own beliefs. So part of it is that you know what I mean. Good example of that too. Well, I don't want to always bring up like anti-vaxxers and things like that, but like, you know, it's um, is Brian coughs himself to death over here. It's not COVID. God damn it! <laughs> I knew it. Um, no, but like, so anybody who's an anti-vaxxer, they're gonna constantly look out for those things that are against vaccines. Um, it's so easy to do that, especially in this day and age where social media is huge. Um. And there's so many different opinions out there. It's very easy to find the opinions that you agree with. Um, but not everybody really um, will take the time to listen to other viewpoints. One thing that I really like to do when I'm listening to news cycles, and, and I'm not just going to base this off of like Fox News, CNN, all that kind of stuff. Um, like I said, I really I love PBS NewsHour. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a, you know, a wonder, I think it's a wonderful source of information. But I do find myself from time to time being like, this is how I think about this subject. Let me listen to this you know YouTube video that agrees with me a hundred percent and can give me more information, more ammunition right. to argue with people. Um, one thing that I've, I, I I purposefully do every day, every week. Well, I won't even say every day because sometimes I get lazy. Um, but every every week for sure, I always make sure. Okay, what is the other side saying? What are their points? You know, where's their information? You know what I mean? Because uh, maybe I'm wrong. I yeah. definitely know that I'm not a perfect person. I definitely know that I get things wrong all the time. You can ask my wife, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield joke. Um, but no, like definitely. So I, I drop my phone. Uh, one thing that I, I will say is like it's so important to listen to information on both sides of the yes. aisle, and I think that that ties in perfectly to this whole idea of of misinformation and disinformation. So it's 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 great to hear the other side, but when, for instance, global warming, we all know it's we all know that global warming is happening, right? But it was like ninety nine percent of scientists said, "Hey, this is happening." And people latched onto that 1%. And they're like, those people, or with uh, vaccines causing autism, everyone right. latched onto that one study. Right. One study. Which that they ended up right, being wrong. Back. And they had to, oh, gosh, yeah, they had to step it back, too. They so they print a retraction. And people still grasp onto that. And you're like, oh. they disproved that so many times. Right. And, and we see that. <laughs> My kids now. are so vaccinated. <laughs> right. We see that now. <clears throat> where science is generally agreeing with certain things. And the frustrating thing for me is with all these other countries, the way they handled COVID was the way Fauci said we needed to handle it. They are no longer dealing with it the same way. Right now, economically they suffered too. We look at Germany. I think it depends on the country. We look and we've Germany. talked about this too, yeah. the way that Germany faced it versus like Switzerland. You know what I mean? Well, well, uh, Sweden was the oh, one Sweden. that like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But they've suffered, they went back and said for the economic, they didn't decline as much economically, but they had more deaths than they should have. Right. So with that in mind. Well, then we think they should have because we don't know. Right. We look at the way every other country has handled this, 
except like the Brazils or some of the other inflamed right. areas. Now it's hitting Africa really hard. Right. These other inflamed areas <clears throat> handled it a certain way, and we chose not to handle it that way. And right. we continue to say, hey, look at this new YouTube video. And I get people wanting to be done with this shit. Right. And that's, the, and that's the difficult part. That's, that's why I have difficult conversations with people. It's like, I don't want to be some guy on his pedestal saying, hey, look at me. I know better than you because I think it's just people wanting an answer that's going to get them out of this. And I sympathize and with I that. And would, I would love that answer too. Right. I sympathize with that. I, I understand that desire, that urge to just be done with this. But in order to get there, we have to do it the right way. And we're staring down the barrel again where we're facing more shutdowns. We're, you know, other states are, you know, shutting oh, down. Absolutely. And now we're looking at like. A, now we're looking at a lot of quarantines. Like, a so national like, shutdown. Like yeah. Where for, we for, were. for those of us that live in Illinois, like Brian and I, you know what I mean? Wisconsin. Now, if you come back from Wisconsin, you have to do a 14-day quarantine. Isn't that right? Yeah. Or that's what they recommend. Anyway. That's what they recommend. And, but that's what they're pushing now. And. We're looking at it where just today I was reading a report that it's it's become so widespread that we're at square one. We're back to where we started. And I don't know if I'd agree with that or disagree because like to say that we're at square one is saying a lot. I know what they're what they mean by right. that. But like And this was not Fauci, this was I think it was Dr. Burks. Um, she was saying that it's become so widespread that we're gonna have to like redo the original like quarantines and, and those initial right. measures because we did such a poor job early on and we were looking for the easy out, we need to redo it. And hopefully, if that's the case, hopefully it's not the case, but if that is the case, we do it right this time because I I don't know what would happen if we ever had to do this a third time. Oh my gosh, I couldn't do it. I mean, you and I would record way more podcasts. <laughs> yeah, but who's going to sponsor I would have, us? I, would, I would have a shit under. ton of free time. <laughs> gosh. All right, Brian. It's getting towards that time. Yeah, it is. We're over an hour now. Um, we do want to make these, t um, t you know, I mean, in, in the realm of, like, easy listening. Um, so we don't want to go too much over an hour. Yeah. So let's just go back. Let's do a quick, quick, quick recap. Normally we would do, like, a magic wand segment here, and maybe we still can, but quick recap. Okay, so what have we covered? So we've covered opportunity zones. I think that we can agree... That it's a good idea. Yeah. It needs regulations, right? Yeah, and I, think I think we can leave, and then we can leave it there. Yeah. Brian, I'm not starting an argument okay. with you. All right. All right. <laughs> so I think we can say that definitely. Okay, good idea. Needs some tweaking. Not quite AOC level there. Right. Okay. Student debt. Student we can debt, agree. Major major issues. It needs some reform. I don't know if we can necessarily agree on the fact that one thing that we didn't really go into is. I guess what I think we should do, because I, 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 of course, like self beneficial, I think that we should get rid of it, because yeah. I would love that, right? Um, but I don't think we we really we we really didn't agree on like what the perfect answer is for sure. past student debt, but sure. we we kind of came to a conclusion of where it could go and where right. we should go, right? Okay, fake news, it's terrible, right? And I think there's mis companies... mis misinformation is one thing, disinformation is another. It's like um. When they were posting all those pictures, and again, I hate talking about deep fakes. I think this is one one of those like deep fake scenarios, yeah. where there was the picture that was actually from Germany of a bunch of protesters laying on the ground, yeah. and they posted it online saying that it was like 
dead people in Italy from COVID. Right. Okay. Right. So we can agree it's bad. It needs to be managed. Um, and it does somewhat stem in some cases from which way you lean um, mm-hmm. and what your political beliefs are. And I think that we should become a little bit more neutral about that. Yes. Okay. I agree. How do you feel about that, Brian? I feel good. I feel good <laughs> about... An hour and seven minutes in, I feel great about this. I, I feel <laughs> that... I mean, we both express, expressed our, our feelings on these things. Um, the problem I see going forward is a lot of nothing being yeah. done on all of them. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. And you know what? It's, it, it's exactly what Brian said in our last podcast to you, that sometimes people just like forget about things too easily. You know, the next big subject comes up. So, so which, if you continue to listen to us, yeah. we will make sure. Yeah. I will make sure that you hear about these Absolutely. things. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, to touch on what I touched on last week, so Brian and I were talking about um, how things can be become quickly overshadowed, um, and I brought up how SpaceX docked with the space station. I just want to let you guys know they are also coming home. So another good news yeah. to end on. Boom. Good news. Ending on it right now. Um, hey, guys, really, I just have to say one more time, thank you so much for anybody that's listening, whether it's um, Brian's wife or my wife or anybody that we talk to. In the meantime, you know, we really appreciate you guys' uh, patience with us. We really appreciate you guys' uh, attention. Um, we would love any input. Um, and you can do that on our Instagram, our Facebook, Mad Libs Podcast. Um, and then also the Gmail that we have, madlibspod at gmail.com. Yeah, send us any messages, you guys, anything anything you want us to talk about in the future. Um, so we right now we're recording on Sundays. If you get us an email by Sunday morning, like, you know, we'll bring it up. We would really, really love that. Um, you know, otherwise it's just like big-time news. But again, we really appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on all of our platforms. And uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Kevin. And Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Mad Libs podcast. We really appreciate you guys' uh, time. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media. That includes Mad Libs Podcast on Instagram, Mad Libs Podcast on Facebook. And feel free to email us with any comments or questions at madlibspod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening.